Hello and welcome to Time of the Bar with herself. What? Marianne Hodgkinson? You threw Absolutely. Me. And myself, Florian Hodgkinson. You really threw me there. I know. You really threw me. You really threw me. Oh dear. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas. If Christmas is finally here after a very remarkable year. <laughs> the, the longest year known to humanity. The longest year. Um, and if you're listening to us on Christmas Day, then thank you. Or maybe you should be thanking us because you're clearly trying to escape uh, your family, probably. Yeah, the washing uh, up is a tedious <laughs> task, but it needs doing, and sometimes and, in solace. And if you're not seeing your family, then... Just consider us your family for today. Yeah. Family in your more eardroves. Than, more than welcome into our humble abode. Yeah, absolutely. As long as you welcome us into you. <laughs> <laughs> scary stuff. That is scary stuff. Anyway. <laughs> Nightmare of Christmas? Nightmare of Christmas, yes, indeed. <laughs> well, today... We won't be exploring a nightmare, I hope. Although there are some rather unusual and somewhat creepy things we'll be discussing today. Um, today we're discussing a few excellent uh, Christmas beers that we picked mm-hmm. from some lovely beer shops around Various the country. Various different suppliers, yes. And um, we will also be chatting through some old Christmas traditions. Yep. Uh, some are still sort of going... Most of them have gone by the wayside, um, but they're all fascinating slash terrifying. So I hope you're looking forward to all of that. So welcome to the toast of Christmas past. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not spooky. <laughs> yes, I think we're getting confused. It's the wrong yeah. time of year. Anyway, time to crack into some beer, I think. Now, well, I think so. Uh, we haven't actually discussed this. Where do you want to start on this oh, fine, and, fine and beautiful morning? Yeah, on Christmas morn. <laughs> on Christmas uh, day. It's both 5.5 those, and then obviously 8.5 or 6 and 10%. Uh, well, let's not go for the 8 or the 10. So Why we don't we start Let's start with German. This... I think... Let's think, we'll go with the, the Greif, shall we? Okay, yes, you, just, you tell with, us about it then. Let's go with Greif. So it's a Greif Brau's Weihnachtsfest beer, which I think almost translates to Christmas Eve fest beer or Christmas festival beer. So Greif Brauery is in uh, Forkheim right. in Upper Franconia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's like a near Bamberg, really, which we've mentioned a few times in other episodes before. Uh, and they are very they they're very well known for making classic traditional sort of uh, German Martzens and traditional sort of Franconian fare, uh, which again, as we've said before, sort of con- consists of things like Kellerbeers and more sort of rustic styles. But it makes some very good lager, is basically what we're mm-hmm. saying. Mm. So, what's this one called? Fi- it, uh, I, yeah, as I was saying before, it's called Weinacht's Fest Beer. Weinacht's so Fest Beer. So Weinacht's. What can you tell me about that? Well, so uh, I can't actually tell you a literal translation, but Nacht is obviously evening or night, um, and Vi seems to be some variant on sort of sanctified, holy. So it's like Holy Night, which is Christmas, of course. Uh, so the Holy Night in the Bible being the, the, the night in which Jesus was born. So Weinacht's fest beer seems to be like Holy Night festival beer, so the celebration of the festival of Christmas. Excellent. Well, would you like to crack it open? Do I will you, do the Do honest. you have any predictions for what this beer might be a bit like? I think it might be a bit like delicious. <laughs> okay, that's all we need to know. It's Christmas. Do we really want to be sitting here picking apart beer 
Well, yes, we do, because otherwise we wouldn't be recording a podcast about it. I don't think we would. That's very true. So, well, we can straight away see it's a sort of straw to amber colour. Yeah. Like, a, very much in the Martson range, oh, yeah, really, really, isn't it? Really is, yeah. That's nice, isn't it? Yeah, really lovely, kind of doughy, this one, rather than... like Yeah, incredibly doughy. Almost almost on that sort of sourdough end of the scale, though. Mm, it's got a yeah. slightly, slight sort of metallic element to it. But I don't think in an unpleasant way, it's on that sort of high, uh, well, as we mentioned before and we mentioned yesterday, that sort of marzipan that you can get in some sort of styles of beer, and particularly with the de- decoction in um, German brewing. You can sometimes just get these slightly higher, sort of fruity, almond, pasty sort of notes. On the palate, it's, it's quite like soft apple flavour. It's like... Um, mm. Sort of sweet, bruised apples. Yes, um, which I think is really nice. Sort of actually. like an apple crumble. Yeah, absolutely. It is, yeah. It's almost sl- slightly stewed apples, isn't mm. it? Or ever so slightly baked to go with that bread. It's really very, very nice. I mean, what it is, is it's just a great Martin in my yeah, mind. Yeah, it is a great Martin. A really nice, rich, full-bodied... Um, I mean, I could drink that as easily in the summer as I would in winter, I think. Yeah. Um, but a really nice kind of refreshing beer, which I wasn't expecting to mm. have in this range. I thought we were going to end up with a lot of very heavy, uh, you know, rather s- sticky beers. Well, now, I didn't tell you what I've done, but I've given you two sides of the coin, basically. I've given you the German sort of more fest sort of approach, yeah. and being very traditional beers that have been made for this, you know, for the celebration of Christmas for a long time. Mm-hmm. And the other side of it being the Belgian dark, jammy, fruity, puddingy, <laughs> the things, things I, I was picturing. Yeah, and we'll talk in a little bit about it, but you know the the traditions that fall in other countries tend to be somewhere in between all of that as well. Yeah. So we'll we'll highlight that in a little bit. But yeah, that's a really really basically it's a very very delicious Martin. It is truly. So um, to pair with this Martin, I'm going to discuss the first of off my list of Christmas traditions. Uh, and the first one you might not necessarily, you may have heard of, but you might not necessarily uh, associate with Christmas okay. specifically. So that is wassailing. Ah, the wassail. Yes. Now you've done wassailing before, haven't you? You've been you've been to what is known as an orchard visiting wassail. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I think that's all I've experienced of it. Um, and obviously it, it occurs regularly in reading, but. It's never really massively explained, so I'm rather looking forward to finding out a little bit more. Well, first I'm just going to read a quote from a book called The Curiosities of Ale and Beer by John Bickerdyke. It's uh, a great name as well, isn't it? It's great, yeah. Now, this, I believe, is quite an old book. I think it's like a Victorian book, but um, mm. I, I forgot to actually take down the, the date, but I can put that on our social media to follow this up. Anyway, um, as the quote goes... I love to rejoice their poor hearts at this season and to see the whole village merry in my great hall. I allow a double quantity of malt to my uh, to my small beer and set it running for twelve days for everyone that calls for it. From round about our coal fire it may be gathered that an English gentleman the opening of the great day, i.e. on Christmas Day in the morning, had all his tenants and neighbours enter his hall by daybreak. The strong beer was broached and the blackjack went merrily about with toast, nutmeg and good Cheshire cheese. 
Good Cheshire cheese. Yes. Just so, to cap it all off, some good Cheshire cheese. It's so this this extract that I've read is about the tradition of the lords of the manor who might own the great estates on which they had many tenants and mm-hmm. um, you know whole villages even. Each year at Christmas, felt it was their duty to open their homes to the villagers, to the tenants, and invite them in. And the description in here of um, adding extra malt to the small beer, so they basically made, prepared a stronger ale for the Christmas period, just for this particular Christmas day. When they had the tenants in, yeah, that's, and, and then they feasted and. Um, and by and, small beers, we have an understanding of it would have been like just above your table beer. Your small yeah. beer is somewhere low in percentage, three percent to four percent, I guess, of old. But it might be slightly lower on one end of the scale and might be slightly higher on the other end of the scale. I'm not quite sure. Yes, so I mentioned this because from this tradition of opening the home to people mm. and having them. Uh, you know, and giving them food and drink, we out of this came a tradition called wassailing. Which so so the wassailing where you visit the orchards, orchard visiting wassails, um, you you soak the you soak toast in cider and you place it in the trees, and it's an act of sort of um, blessing the trees yeah, for absolutely. the next harvest. You're hoping for a good harvest next. You clank your pots and pans together, you make a lot of noise. Yeah, and you ward off the evil spirits, which might blight the harvest. Uh, now, house visiting while sailing may have included cider, but it wasn't strictly cider. Uh, it What it entailed was um, the village, the townspeople would carry a wassail cup from house to house and they would pour a mixture of drinks in but it could be ale from their own home Mm. it could be cider it could be whatever drink they happen to have they would carry it from house to house in the village and they would sing songs at the houses and they would be offered entrance and food and Mm. drink in response in a sort of to to thank for them for the song. Um, this has obviously developed, as you can imagine, it sounds rather familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, it's yeah. actually of uh, the origins of Christmas caroling. Oh, and really? And go from door to door. Um, so, it's as you can see, it's very similar uh, tradition. You, you go around, yeah, you knock yeah. on the door, you sing a song, and you get usually something in return. Whether that's like raising money for charity, or you get a mince pie, or a little, or a bit of both. Sometimes somebody makes a donation, and they give you a mince pie (laughs) and a brandy. Um, If you're very lucky. It also sounds quite a lot like another tradition, which happens a few months before, which is trick or treating. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the similarities are are really there, aren't they? (laughs) And so the the songs that were sung, obviously, that's not part of the the trick or treat tradition, but Another element which rose from wassailing was this begging for food, and if they didn't get the food, you might end up with a trick being played upon you or your household. Um, which is how it kind of wassailing came to be sort of looked down on, and actually, in some ways, like pushed out in favour of this caroling, this very Christian idea of caroling because um and and even then we still see evidence of the wassail in trill in 
traditional Christmas carols. So uh, you might remember the lyrics in We Wish You a Merry Christmas. Now bring us some figgy pudding. Yeah. Um, I always thought that was crazy, sort of like this very demanding, now now do this, all right? Yeah. You know, do it. Bring it right, right here. Now, right, right now, right here. <laughs> um, and we won't go until we get some. So bring it out here. So bring some out here. Um, yeah, I'd always thought that was really rude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I always thought it was rude as a child as well. I didn't understand where it but came from. But now we see that it's maybe done with a bit of a rosy cheek sort of... We, it's a bit of a wry kind yeah. of game. Unfortunately, uh, there were also, as the nature of carrying the wassail cup from house to house might suggest, quite a, a few people... A couple of shandies were had along the way. Yes, a few people... Part Some of, high spirits, maybe. Exactly. And so it became a bit of a... Um, a complaint across, uh, particularly in North America, it was really like it was outlawed in in North America initially. Too pagan. Um, <laughs> partly because it was quite pagan, and because you'd end up with these groups of youths <laughs> Roth- roving around the streets, completely, d- completely drunk, and um, and then they'd break into people's houses if they didn't get anything. Uh. So it did become somewhat law Does that come from an actual footing of going into people's houses or is that just these people just broke into people's houses? Um, I think that there was a tradition that you could break into people's houses. Yeah, because I'm it immediately was... thinking of like mumming where obviously mummers were invited in but even if they weren't invited then they often barged their way in anyway. And there's another tradition which is related which i'll talk about a little bit later once we've opened our next bit um a few other things uh, like lyrics from some of the wassails um so the traditional one uh wassail wassail all over the town our toast it, it is white and our ale it is brown our bowl it is made of the white maple tree with the wassailing bowl we'll drink unto thee so it is lovely and then um the often the um the drink in the wassail cup, as I said, could be a mixture of various different things. But there was something in particular um, which was known as lamb's wool. Oh, yeah. It, no, I've heard of that. It, so it's a variety of wassail because uh, also wassail is the drink. Right. So the wassail is the drink. The wassail even is the ale drink. Wassailing. A-I-L. Yes. It's, but that's more of what ails you. Yeah. It's the, a what ails you drink, is it? Or is it not from that sort of translation? I'm not sure. I do not have that information. <laughs> but, uh, so wassailing is the activity of, of going from door to door mm-hmm. or going through the orchard. And wassail is the drink in the cup. Mm-hmm. So this lamb's wool was a wassail, but it was made from ale, baked apples, sugar and spice. Would probably sounds be. nice, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it sounds really delicious, and I would really, really like to try some but of that. But it does sound also like the roots of, you know, your mould cider and your mould wines. Obviously, exactly. other types of mould wines, your glue vines. Yeah. Um, and then, I think, from, from that as well, there was, you have um, a type of other glue-style beer, which I think you can still get now in um, places like Cologne, and I think in and around that area, um, sort of, you know... Uh, Dusseldorf and do I mean Dusseldorf? I probably don't mean Dusseldorf, so don't don't hold me to that. <laughs> um, but that that area of the Rhineland, um, I think they still have a tradition in which they drink like a glue vine equivalent of beer. So they're heating up beer mm. and they're adding spices to it as well. So they're doing this. That's that's still something that continues. And I can see why this tradition sort of phased out as a 
um, well, as a door-to-door door activity. Friendly either, is it? Everyone no, drinking out of a big bowl and but breaking into people's houses with no masks on. I must say I would really love to try some lamb's wool. I think that that would be something that would be fun to brew at home. Well, I'm sure we could make it at some point. Yeah. Um, so that's a, st- that's a stovetop capable dish. Yeah, I think, I think that's something we could do in the kitchen. Um, anyway, well, speaking so, of, yes, next beer. Would please. you like a little dribble of this? Oh yes, please. So we have now the Hoopendorfer. I'll just interrupt you for a second, if mm-hmm. that is okay. Oh yeah. Hoopendorfer, Weihnachtsfest beer. Now Weihnachtsfest beer. You might ask, what does that mean? <laughs> well, I think I explained it already. So don't make me do it again. Yeah. Um, that's a very classic sort of German long word. We always feel we're at home with those. What was the one that we learnt at school? Naturwissenschaften, was it? Something like that. Naturwissenschaften. You know, nice, Science. strong words that just make you know, yeah, this is good and stoic and Germanic. Was it Naturwissenschaften science or was it geography? Something that's a study of something natural. Visti <laughs> and shafting. Yeah. <laughs> well, sounds a bit like sex um, education. I have no idea. <laughs> sex education for the masses. Naturally, it's... Sh- a bit <laughs> shafty. <laughs> it's a bit swift and shafty. <laughs> Not a vist and shafty. Oh, anyway, well, I don't think we can do that now. It's a bit of a tongue uh, twist. Christmas. Merry Christmas. So anyway, Hoopendorfer. So I can't tell you a great deal, except from that I've had many Hoopendorfer beers, uh, Vull beers from, um, I've, I've drunk them in, I've drunk beers in Bamberg when I was there, but also since in bottles. And I think we had a few recently, in fact, in bottles. The first time I've had them in a number of years. Um, but they're somewhere in Franconia, again. Um, keep you up a so- sort of theme there. But yeah, um, always one of my favourite breweries to be able to get. They do a nice, lovely, dark sort of Martzen-style beer. That is their sort of house-full beer. Um, and this one, I can't tell you anything about it until we drink it. So I better pour a little bit out. So, the Weinlax Fest beer from Hoopendorfer. Undoubtedly not saying that at all right. Right, here we go. And for you, my darling... Thank you. Once again, we've got a traditional Martin looking in colour. Yep. Yeah. This. I mean, I was expecting this Ooh. one to be for definite. Again, very, very. This one has a bit more of a bright. kind of bananariness to it. Oh, this is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, the hop character is a bit, bit more prevalent as well. Mm. Oh yeah. See, that's very, very soft, doesn't it? Sweet, but it doesn't. Wow. It dies away. It's very. Mm. I mean, I just leaves. It just leaves nicely. Again, good. baked apples, but it's it very balanced with a nice sort of dry finish as well, but a sweet dry finish. In the body, it reminds me a lot of like a Hopfenweiss. Mm, I can see what you mean. It, it is a, bit, it's a lot more full-bodied, isn't mm. it? And it it's very deceptive, though, because they look incredibly similar, both these beers. Yeah. But this does have um, the feeling of more... Uh, you know, more maltiness in the mouth. And obviously, mm. maltiness doesn't really mean a great deal of anything. But as we were saying before, it's that beautiful sort of soft, bready. That's ever, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd hazard putting out again there. The, we've said it a few times in recent episodes, but that sort of stolen sort of loaf. Mm. But this is without the raisins and the marzipan. So again, we've got a sort of fest Martin style beer. Very, very balanced. Obviously, drinkable beyond its sort of ABV. So, I mean, it's only 5.5. But And again, I think you, you said before, you know, it's not what you have in your head is the idea of a, a Christmas beer. But obviously, we're looking at different traditions. So, in, in Germany, I think a lot of the time this is a bit more common or sometimes going to 
a slightly darker style is obviously quite common as well. But still, normally, uh, a lager at base. Sometimes they do a Christmas sort of box or things like that. But generally, the winter beers, the fest beers, the you know the um, the Weinnacks beers, um, generally are sort of Martins and, and slightly darker. Well, it's yeah. nice. It's it's not what I was expecting. I'm glad I didn't do any research on it myself. Otherwise, I think I'd have been like, oh, well, it's it's just more lager. Just Why more are we Martin. doing it? But, but as a reminder, actually, it is. It's that. It's the their festival. Exactly. The so festival. it's good to highlight these as, yeah, very important in the Christmas beer world. Yeah. Well, you know, you could have 25 times of that and, you know, you'd go to your grave, but it'd have been very worth it, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to tell you about another old Christmas tradition. So, now, don't worry, I'm not about to turn into a massive bigot. I'm about to say a word, which is not a very nice word, in modern context. I think I know where we're going with this. Yes, so, this is the burning of the faggot. Yes. Now, and this is where the slur comes from. Yes. Um, but it has a lot more fun and festive frolicking about it and uh, in this context. context. So um, the burning of the ashen faggot is a Christmas Eve tradition, um, uh, which was quite common in Devon as well as parts of Somerset and Dorset. So in this custom, they would uh, tie bundles of sticks together. It was usually, oh no, it was a bundle of ash sticks, which were tied together with strips of hazel or willow. Um, and they would be ceremoniously placed on the hearth to burn while the locals gathered round and they would be drinking and, um, you know, enjoying this fire together. And in a poem uh, from the 18th century describing the scene, uh, it says, uh, it blazes soon, nine bandages it bears, and as they each disjoin, so custom wills, a mighty jug of sparkling ciders brought, with brandy mixed to elevate the guests. Ooh. So, as the poem suggests, from this tradition came drinking games. Yeah. So, uh, drinking game, uh, so cider is mentioned, but obviously people would have used ale as well. It would have just depended on what the drink of the local area happened to be. Yeah. Um, each time one of the binding strips snapped in the fire, so the willow and hazel strips, Ooh, I like this. Uh, you would have to basically down your drink. This so, is cracking. <laughs> um, and so there'd be songs sung around the fire for hours. It would go on for quite a long time. Uh, but once the, um, once the ashen faggot had been burned down, um, that was basically the time for everyone to go home. Right, so you had that period of time, you played your games, and then once it was burnt and gone, that's it. Everyone yeah. go home. But it was a sharing thing, though, so people come together to share that, share that moment, yeah. which is interesting, because going back to what you said before, it was, you know, the local landed gentry or whatever, sort of inviting the, uh, the locals into the house, mm-hmm. so that's a sharing element again. Um, and it, both, both the, that put me in mind of, like, the alms giving and things like that. It's a time for that sort of generosity of spirit, so going going quite way back, it's it's already established that it is a time for giving and sharing and 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 being warm with people, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's really nice to see that like throughout history, even without it being 
a strictly like Christian uh, celebration, there were these, like you say, these things that brought the community together at the same mm. time every year. It seemed to be in winter. It was always around a uh, fire with ale and or mm. with some al- alcoholic drink and lots of food and sharing of the means that people had. This tradition, um, I mean, certainly noted in like the late 1800s, having been recorded then, um, had definitely gone on for hundreds of years beforehand, mm. uh, but can actually be seen in some very few and far between pubs in uh, the present day. I mean, obviously not this year, unfortunately. No, this uh, is an exception. But it seems that a lot of these traditions that used to be door-to-door and within the community are all brought to the pub by the time the the modern world comes round. Mm. People don't necessarily want random people knocking on their door at Christmas, but... Yeah, but, I mean, caroling often ends or begins begins and ends at a pub. pub. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, caroling, again, is probably something that's, like a lot of these traditions, is on the wane to some Mm. degree, but... And um, it's it's like... um, the mummers, as you mentioned earlier, have, I only have a very small bit on the mummers, but groups of male performers commonly seen either uh, doing house visiting or performing in pubs. Mm. And really, they're not doing it in houses anymore. No. It's, they, they are only really doing it at the pubs. Apparently, it died out around World War One when many of the men were killed in action because it was tradition. It's an oral tradition as well, isn't it? Yeah. And so when people aren't handing that down and it's skip, you know... So, You've lost a generation almost, you know. It, mm. was, it was a lot of stolen generation. Exactly. So you are, you know, expecting it somehow to bridge a gap that it can't. So no wonder, you know. And also, it was a time of great tragedy. People, you know, people did, they lost a lot of those traditions purely because um, the situation changed for most of them and people moved away from where they came from and it did, became less and less important to them. But then culture sort of did anyway, didn't it? A lot of people, those cultures changes. Those yeah. cultures changed. <laughs> um, lovely. Well, I think that I'll I'll save the next one. The next major piece of information I have is my last. I have other little mini ones. Okay. Um, well, but I'll save we, that. For... Should we think about having another beer? And um... yes, I think we should move on to another beer. I got a, I got a couple of things I would like to share with you. Oh yeah, go on then. We'll share some history. It's quite nice because if we did have a fire. Uh, we'd be sitting in our little wing backs by the fire discussing these things, wouldn't we? We would but indeed. Instead, we're we recording them and hurling it out into the universe. Yeah, no, I, that's very true. So I was saying earlier that uh, the Weihnachtsbier is a sort of, you know, is a classic sort of German tradition, translating roughly to something like Holy Night, and it's typically sort of like a variation on a fest beer. Um, so the more sort of modern or Martzen sort of approach. But occasionally the winter beer, so the winter beer, which is, you know, relatively similar thing, but often gives you a, a greater amount of the season in which to make those beers, um, is often a take on like a bock instead. So that's sort of a bit of a breakdown of the sort of tradition of, of the Germans approach. Um, the next, I think we're going to be having one of the Belgian ones. So I'll talk about that when we do that. But then you've got the British sort of take has been the winter warmer. Um, and it is often stated as that, winter warmer. And a winter warmer is a typically sort of 5.5% to you know 6 or 7. All sort of depends on the brewery in the area. Uh, but they tend to be multi-sweet and relatively strong. 
and they're often brewed in the winter or, or autumnal months, so they have a little bit longer aging than, say, a lot of traditional cask, cask beer might do. And, and they're typically sort of dark, uh, dark, deep amber sort of in coloured, um, but not quite stout territory either. So again, a lot of people have it in the head that it's basically stout, and people do have a gravitas towards darker beer styles in the winter. I, I don't know if it's a logical thing. I don't know if it's a comfort thing or it makes sense because people think dark is heavy, as we've talked mm, about we've talked from the about very that. first episode. Yeah. But, you know, stouts and porters, yeah, people drink them throughout the cooler seasons, you know, sport them into winter. But really the winter warmers are not stouts. They tend to be more like old ales. So old ales are sort of like your old stock ales. So they would have been part, you know, often goes into that relationship of what was blended with, you know, make, to making things like porter. Um, but in a more modern understanding within the last like 100 or so years, that's often a sort of darker ale without the roast characteristics. So it's not roasty. So sort of like a stronger mild in the, in the palate, sort of quite smooth and chocolatey and sort of, uh, sweet and malty so very mm. very nice and you know and you've instantly like fireside comfort boom yeah. there it is it straight away just conjures such a feeling yeah and then the upper end of that is the barley wines which obviously big boozy again malty sweet um and you know that's pretty traditional so your abvs are anywhere from like 5.5 as i say six up to like 10 percent so that's sort of your british tradition and your us tradition is very similar to that and obviously it's a little bit more modern but it's basically a take on the british tradition which is to make um styles of beer that are sort of warming that are cozy that sort of warm the cockles of your heartstrings but theirs tend to in difference to that feature spices so sometimes it'll be things like orange peel but tends to feature spices that go into various sort of like cookies and things like that um so yeah the u.s Naming is often holiday beer or Christmas beer rather than the British sort of winter warmer of uh, you know which which I said before. So those are sort of those little bits of basic differences. So you then got your beer de Noël, which is um, which is your French sort of take on it, which I think often can be things like beer de Gardes that are slightly you know a little bit more going on, a bit spicier, often a little darker. Uh, so they're often you know they're. Basically, rich, warming, strong beers that typically sort of brewed in October, but for consumption in December. And generally top fermented, so they're ales. Um, and, you know, that's that's basically that's basically it. They're just there's a lot of crossover across all these different uh, European, you know, styles, you know, and variants of a theme. There are often darker versions of a standard beer that is drunk year round a little bit more fortification so a little bit stronger mm -hmm. in abv so everyone's sort of hunkering down bringing up the abv a little bit getting it nice and dark so it feels cozy and warm so i think that's just sort of the tradition that you're seeing across uh, across most of europe uh, i'll get on to belgian when we crack this next one mm -hmm. do you want to crack that yeah shall i oh are we doing this one we'll do winter mess ah okay. brasserie de la Seine. And brasserie i'll talk de about la that in a second i'm just going to talk about danish uh yule Breuch. might have said that wrong correct me if i have i want to learn all the time or yule ul so that's j j u l e b r y g so just i think it just means yuletide 
brew or Yuletard ale. Um, and so that's a long, that's a very long history of make, making again beers in varying strengths and styles. Sometimes they're lagers, but generally leaning towards the maltier end of the scale. Roughly six percent ish, often as I say, so the, there could be lagers, but they're darker lagers or darker coloured ales. Um, and I'd, I can't really establish whether a lot of them feature spices, but I know that there is a longer history in Scandinavian brewing, for example, of things like spruce tips being added or other different spices. So, And the spruce, obviously, we think of as being a quintessentially sort of Christmas um, flavour and aroma that, you know, it's just that is Christmas to a lot of people. Yeah. So that's, uh, so that's, 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 that's it in a, in a nutshell. Nice. On to your Belgians. I'll tell you about this one first. Yeah. We're drinking Winter Mess from Brasserie de la Seine in Brussels. One of your favourites. It is indeed. It's always a favourite of mine. They class it as a winter ale. It is 8.5%. And I haven't tried it for a while, so I'm looking forward to delving into this. Mm. But one thing I'll always say is I remember this being somewhere between like a like a little quad and a triple and it sort of has a bit of bit of everything in there which i think is a really balanced thing it's got that it's got that nice delicate sweetened figgy pudding but one thing you'll always get with de la Seine is balance i think is that they're supreme brewers of balance they don't make anything that goes too far a dark beer has still got to have some dryness or some you know acidity roastedness bitterness mm. um you know and it's all about that finish they're very very good at making finish so, Winter Mess, don't tell me where the name comes from. <laughs> well, if it. you're saying it's a bit of a blend, it sounds like the well, flavours no, no. are a blend between a few different styles. Maybe that's, they just went, that's from memory. It's a I, mess. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't tried it. I, I, doubt, I doubt that Yvonne would want to say, this beer is a mess. This is a mess, God damn it! Quite a precise <laughs> chap, you know, he wants it's things to be... Winter Mess! <laughs> See, that's a, it's a really, really beautiful aroma, and it's very understated. It's just quite... I find these beers addictive. They mm. really pull me in. You know, Taras Bulba is one of my favourite beers of all time because it's it is balance and simplicity, mm. and it's got this most intoxicating aroma. And it's the same with this. It's got this incredible aroma. I would smell the beer all day. This is my mm. problem. I end up then never drinking the beers. It is just... so subtle. Mm. You th- you expect, particularly from such a boozy beer, that you'd get this big punch right up the nose the moment you sniff it, but. Always actually... very happy, healthy uh, fermentation characteristics in De La Seine's beers as well. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I, just this is a plug for De La Seine, just in case <laughs> anyone's wondering. I've been paid a hell of a lot for this. Yeah. I've been paid yeah, 24 tell. cases of Winter Mess. <laughs> we don't have space in the cupboard. I'm going to mess my pants afterwards. Oh, oh that's just disgusting. That Unbelievable. Disgusting. I can't believe no you went No one wants there. to hear that while they're having their Christmas dinner. Oh. <laughs> if any, sprouts honestly, if, right through you. if anyone's actually listening to this while they're having their Christmas dinner, then I'm sorry because yeah. he has a tendency to do this. He talks about inappropriate things at, yeah. di- at the dinner table. Like so if it's just like having him over for dinner. Yeah, you know? this, this is what you get. Yeah, this, this is, is what you, you get. You get bored, bored to sleep. You pass out in your sprouts, and <laughs> you know I'll say inappropriate comments at random times. But it's fine because you've fallen asleep in your sprouts. So <laughs> you you can't hear it. on a sprout. Or two. <laughs> It's got like a kind of like break, like or like a wine kind of thing going on. 
it might just be the warmth that's coming through that that lifts it to this kind of oaky. Yeah, I mean, it's I, there is a definitely an oaky flavour. Mm. I don't know if there is in any way oat at all, but it comes through, doesn't it? And also, it helps with that the bitterness of the beer. Obviously, when you taste oak, you know, oaked beer, yeah. beers and wines and things, there's often the tannins that come through. That can be perceived as that. And then that sweet, uh, molassesy mm. kind of flavours that you get from, you know, oak and cured oaks. And you get that lovely sort of caramel, you know, obviously you think about your whiskies where that, that comes through. That's lovely. It's got quite a lot of, like, citrus peel in it as well, I'd say. It's, like, kind of, like, biting on the, mm. like, caramelised peel. It, it's gone, it's go, it goes that end completely. It doesn't go for the big, chunky, sweet. Mm. I mean, it's a sweet beer. Mm, it by is. By their standards. But as I say, like, it's also got that bitterness mm. and that lightness in the and palate. And that pithiness. And... Mm. God, that's delicious, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it's almost, and it's not. It's almost, but it's not. <laughs> Touching on my one of my favourite sort of soft drinks, which is like the Canotto, uh, where you've yes. got that sort of rounded spice... Uh, I don't know how else you should describe it. Almost, it's quite sharp. It's yeah, but then, sharp... but that was, that was going to say, and then it's cut through by that sort of uh, pithy, zesty acidity. Yeah. Um, which you know, in here is more sort of like bitterness and a bit of acidity, and that that's a cracking to me. That's a lovely balance because you've got that sweetness from the sort of dark, uh, caramelized something something to the pithy, sharp, bright notes that just mm. lift it right up again. But that's, I think, what you were saying, wasn't it? About they're rounded, they, they're balanced. It's never too much one thing or the other. No. You get to enjoy all of those flavours uh, equally, but none of them dominate. Mm. No, absolutely. And I sort of stick by what I say, even though it's it's tripped me a little bit when I've smelt it and tasted it again, but there is a sort of triple meets quad. Like a... <laughs> It is. I agree with you. It is. I've like got a touch of like the dark and stormy about it as well, where there's there's almost like a spice. You know, you just associate with sort of ginger ale, but there's that sort of sweet and bruised sort of spice character, and then that lift. You know, that almost lime zest, which obviously we talk about. You know, your dark mm. and stormy is with, um, and and then that boozy sort of rummy something something underneath with those caramelised burnt sort of bananary sugars that go with it. Um, I just, yeah, it's a lovely, lovely drop. So cheers to that. Cheers. So then we'll talk about Belgian Christmas beers, just to round yes. that one out. So the often stronger, mm -hmm. dark interpretations of beers generally made throughout the year, so part of their general roster. Um, but they normally feature the addition of spices. So this is quite... Um, quite a big thing for a lot of Belgian brewers. Now, I would say that this probably does not. And again, thinking back to what De La Seine's approach is, I'd imagine they do not put spices in here because they will believe that any of those spice aromas they can probably coax out of the yeast. Yeah. Um, so with the, with the cleverness of, uh, of fermentation and yeast choice and the way that you utilise it. But some things you can't really fake. So if you wanted to get real orange peel, you know, like you think about the wit beers, they're in there. They're not mm. just, oh, that smells a bit like orange peel and clove. That's incredible, you know. It's, well, it's in there. Obviously, that's orange peel and coriander in there. But things like clove and ginger and nutmeg and things go into a lot of uh, Christmas-style... Christmas-style beers? Christmassy <laughs> beers. Um, so, yeah, cloves and, and the like will often go into these, these uh, 
you know, the more Belgian sort of spicy Christmas beers. But yeah, some of them are completely new, special wintry beers that they've done, or Christmassy, sort of like winter warmers in the sort of British style. Uh, but they nor- they do nearly always take their lead from British styles historically. Um, and weirdly enough, I was find I, I was finding out that a lot of um, sort of the Christmas beers originally in Belgium, Christmas beers mm. in quotation marks, um, were actually just imports of Scotch ale from Scotland. Oh, were they indeed? Yeah, so and Belgium's got a long-standing relationship with uh, with Scotland and the Scotch. Um, Gordon's Scotch ale was imported from Scotland, I think, in the 1930s, all the way through until recently. And when I say that, I think maybe some of it still is, but a contract has now been won by one of the Belgian breweries a number, a couple of years back, I think, to actually just make it in Belgium, finally, you know, because <laughs> it's like, well, you know, you might as well. <laughs> so Scotch has a long history in Belgium, so a lot of the beers were just called Christmas ale, and they would be written in British as well, in, you know, in English yes. as well. Um, so there's a there's long established tradition of that, and their Scotch ales were made by people in Burton on Trent as well, and yeah. you know, all over the place. So there was a huge, uh, there's a big market, and I, I think by the almost midway through the uh, 20th century, at least um, sort of two, I think five percent of the market uh, was imports of these beers so that's that's i mean it doesn't sound much but it's massive really considering how much was coming in so um so yeah so i you know i found that very interesting that obviously with the belgian style beers sort of taking their sort of doff of the hat from the from the from the british traditions and then uh you know the americans as well but i think a lot of what originally went over to the u.s was actually from scandinavian culture and and obviously it's just you know what was added on as well so there you go. That's basically a bit of an overview there of some of the uh, the different Christmassy sort of styles of beer and, and where they all came from. Oh, fantastic! Well, uh, I've I've reached the end of my list of things, but I have kind of two points now, two little history tidbits, both from Wales. Ooh. So, uh, first, I'm going to mention is now I'm going to butcher this. I'm so sorry. Plygain, Plygain. Uh, so going back for hundreds of years, um, the Plygain Carol service actually was held very early Christmas morning. So it would start at three in the morning on Christmas morning uh, and end at around six in the morning. It was generally thought to have evolved from uh, after the Reformation from the Catholic Midnight Mass, and basically it was a carol service that continued out of the Midnight Mass, mm-hmm. um, all held by candlelight, and it's all very romantic. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and there's a, a quote here from a uh, 19th century writer called William Payne, who described the atmosphere. Um, he said, The church is in a blaze, now crammed, body, aisles, gallery, with prayers giving way to singing, singers who sing in solos, duets, trios, choruses, then silence in the audience, broken at appropriate pauses by the suppressed hum of delight and approval, till mm. between eight and nine, hunger telling on the singers, the plagain is over and the bells strike out a round peal. 
So it's sure, really, it does sure. sound, oh, it sounds so romantic, so lovely. And what a nice thing to think that people wanted, to, they felt so moved to stay after their, their service, after their midnight mass, that they just wanted to sing for hours. God, yeah, I must have been tired of that. <laughs> However... As oh, we have yeah. already learned. <laughs> or oh, what are we doing right Cut my now? Shandies, Rad. Yeah. Uh, so they would, th- I, they had other traditions. So they would make special Christmas toffee called Kiflaith. 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 I'm going to. I can't see the word, so I'll It's spelled C Y F L A I T H. C Y F L A I T H. Don't think you're a million miles off. No. Of that. I'm sure somebody will let us know. So if they'd we're have this toffee horribly before the, wrong <laughs> before the um, the service began, um, but often a lot of alcohol was partaken of during or before the service. I think certainly during. I think once the midnight mass was over, and in a lot of Catholic tradition, you you don't eat for at least an hour before you receive communion uh, right. so people were probably going to church at midnight hungry maybe not having had dinner even and then they'd just drink see, straight no, through a loophole here <laughs> yeah. don't eat and you could drink like yeah. for the last minute well I mean they serve alcohol in the mass so you're not really they serve alcohol <laughs> in the mass for a top up yeah. <laughs> don't think it's um, quite like that is it? <laughs> but basically um yeah, the amount of alcohol which was consumed by the singers and the spectators while it went on led to it being banned, basically. Um, so, well, it was banned in a church in Neath. Um, and the quote here says it was due to the indecent behaviour of the persons attending there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like... They, it kind of conjures this image to you of, like... It's not just people getting drunk. It's all sorts of debauchery going on in the church. <laughs> High fiving. I know. Saying, smiling. How's it going? <laughs> How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> so, so this church in Neath banned it in 1812, and it was eventually allowed to return in 2003. Wow. So it was banned for. At least they didn't go overboard, eh? Two hundred years. <laughs> yeah, 200. It's just. Uh, but, you know, I think we've also seen that the church doesn't look too fondly on people drinking in excess in or around a church. As I don't know up. why they have such a problem with this. <laughs> um, and now and we're going to move on to my final little story. And your final story. <laughs> my final story. I wonder, have you got more to say about this last beer? Or should we crack that beer open while I tell you? Because... <laughs> I think it would be an apt beer. Uh, maybe. You've got a bit more to say. No, no, I'd, I've, I've never got any more to say. <laughs> <laughs> said nobody ever. No, I mean, said, well, no, I never said that, did I? So this one, I did see on on the Facebook uh, a couple of years ago. On them Facebooks. And it, it has become a bit of a tradition by one of my Welsh friends to reshare it to us all, just to freak the shit out of us. Um... And you thought she was joking at first, didn't you? I, I thought it was a joke. And then I looked at it yeah, and I looked it up. thought it was fake news or deep it's fake or whatever they call deep, it these days. Deep fake. It's such a deep fake. Uh, so this is the tradition of the Mary Lloyd. <sighs> Harrowing experience, <laughs> said Richard Burton. 
So apparently this was first recorded in South Wales in the 1800s. So it's really, as far as traditions go, not that old. No. Um, But then it obviously goes hand in hand with like the mummers and the the wassail. So it it, It is very intrinsically related to wassailing. See, because obviously I know a bit about this, so I'm mm. I'm interjecting here when I no one knows what we're talking about yet. Um, so if you've never heard of Mary Lloyd, uh, the tradition is that a horse's skull is or, mounted on a stick with sackcloth draped underneath it, so that the person who's holding the stick can hide under the sackcloth. Mm. In some um, pictures I've seen, there it's almost like a pantomime horse where you've got two men underneath the sackcloth <laughs> acting the body of the horse, but you still have the skull at the front. Acting the horse. They're acting the horse. <laughs> um, so Mary Lloyd as well, is, um, one translation is that it means grey mare. And yeah. um, I can't believe it took a while to stab in the dark at that one. And you were yeah, like, that is actually that's one of the, translations. One of the understood translations of it. <laughs> um, and obviously, like, horses as a symbol are like really important in Celtic mythology. Mm. Um and so this tradition goes that men would carry the Mary Lloyd um, to local houses where they would request entry through the medium of song. So it's kind of... We can it's a see classic the Welsh tradition. <laughs> yeah. Ask for things in the medium of song. <laughs> uh, the difference between this and the wassailing or the caroling is that then uh, the occupants of the house would have to sing back to the horse. Brilliant. It's a, they would it's have a to, rap battle. It's a rap battle. In fact, <laughs> conducted... Skulls versus non-skulls. Yes. Um, and they would have to continue this back and forth in song until basically one of them gave up. Until <laughs> one of them said, no, that's it. <laughs> At which point um, the the Mary Lloyd uh, storms into the house and eats your food and drinks your booze. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect at that point the Mary Lloyd gets left on the sofa somewhere and and the people that were the horse acting the horse then drink all your booze Yeah, and and maybe have a few mince pies. (laughs) Um, I I couldn't find what would happen if you didn't, if if the Mary Lloyd was turned away which suggests to me that it doesn't get turned away. There's no turning it down. It uh, it turns up at your house. It's coming in. You just choose the two best singers in the village with the <laughs> longevity in the lungs and just say go on <laughs> and everyone's but, getting free but it has to be like improvised it's not a set song that they sing it's an improvised song i mean it doesn't necessarily say that they actually had to rhyme but it being in the medium of song ah, you'd yeah. suggest it would be um but it was genuinely it's just like they just have to come up with enough excuses that the horse can't come in that mary <laughs> Lloyd, you can't come in my house you fucking scary shit <laughs> You're going to give my kids nightmares. To be fair, though, it's a bit harsh turning away something that is already that skeletal in appearance. You know, yeah. You, they must... You know they're hungry. Look at them. There's Look nothing on it. them. You, it needs some food. Yeah. Well, probably there's two big lads underneath with very broad shins. <laughs> broad shins. I didn't realise that was a part of the body. Oh, but yeah. Broad <laughs> shins. They're, they're, they're in the top one for, for signifiers of great singers. <laughs> I'm going to crack open this bottle whilst you just wrap up. Uh, well, yeah, that is my um, my last piece of history, the Mary Lloyd. She's frightening as fuck. Um, <laughs> I, I would never wish it upon anybody. It is interesting, though. So if it's if it's the sort of grey mare, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like a, a pallid horse of type, 
it does put you in mind of of uh, of death. Mm. Death rode on a pale horse. Yes, and and the s- skeleton element as well. Mm. And also, like they do look hooded. They look like death has turned up at your door. It, it like it is really death pretty frightening but then but then they're decorated with ribbons like colorful ribbons yeah, and, and so things that, like and that that's that's again you know we talk about pagan culture and traditions hanging ribbons and trees of spiritual importance and i, I just think that's fascinating to think of that so and on that bombshell the last beer of the we are evening. having one last beer we've basically well, sod all to say but it's not the last beer of christmas though is it no it's never you said the evening but i mean it's bright and sunny where i'm sitting that's, it's, it's, <laughs> It's six o'clock in the morning. You know, we're about to, about to put the, the, the turkey on for you. I'm You've got an entire turkey. turkey and one massive fork to no, eat No, I'm off. having two teal. Mm. Two to myself, because you're a silly vegetarian. Two teal. Two teal. Yeah, she doesn't really mean that. She loves vegetarians. Oh, I love otherwise vegetarians. Otherwise, she wouldn't marry them. No. Um, She's on a third vegetarian already. <laughs> they all sort of get eaten. It's a bit weird. Random. Yeah. Anyway, so talking about sort of, you know... Celtic imagery and sort of historical sort of context and mythology. What about a little goblin? I know. I was going to say I thought this one would be an apt pairing for the Mary Lloyd because it's um it, I've heard it's a little shoe. It's say, a little the little shoe. Little dwarfy goblin-y shoe. You could say it was a nice shoe. It is a very nice shoe. Yeah. Or nice shoe. Nice shoe. Or however you want to pronounce it. It's a N apostrophe. I-C-E. Nice. Uh, a nishuf, uh punching in at the classic 10% ABV, which is alcohol by volume. Alcohol Sorry, by Partridge volume. snuck in for a second. Down, Partridge, down. <laughs> uh, but again, a prime example of those those beers, of that sort of 8% and golden, mm-hmm. suddenly becoming darker and 10%. So that Belgian sort of standard, I'm not saying it is a written rule, but they creep up about 1% or 2% on the normal beers, and they're slightly darker, often featuring interesting little spices. So let's have a little go on this, wrap up, and go and fry a couple of teal. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, wowzers. Go on. What did you want to say? I was going to say, like, obviously I could have covered so many other, Brit- uh, well, not just British uh, Christmas traditions, but... Many from all over the world. There were some really fascinating ones, but I just didn't have time. But I'd love to hear more because yeah. I do love those. I don't think we didn't want to go overboard on the length because we're aware that we're already one of the longer podcasts, uh, ep- episodically as it is. Um, and so we thought, you know, it's Christmas Day. The last thing you probably want is to for us to drop a nice two and a half hour episode and be like, yeah, that's casual. No one minds that. So. Where's Uncle Freddie gone? You know, oh, it's all right. He's in the toilet listening to a podcast. He's <laughs> uh, ducking out on you all. But yeah, um, there are so many fascinating traditions out there, and obviously, I can talk forever about beer and uh, <laughs> yes, and all things beer. So anyway, what do you think of that? Uh, Nishu from Ashuf Brewery this, in the Ardennes in Belgium. This is a Nishu. This is a very Nishu. <laughs> I've um. Couples very beautifully with uh, Shouf coffee. Oh, yes. Ooh. Yeah, which is a, a liqueur Why made out of... Why didn't get any of that for Christmas? Uh, you failed in your duties. Because I wanted to put as... an extension on the manor. <laughs> it's true, we need a bigger cellar. <laughs> <laughs> we need a cellar full stop. But yeah, it does couple very well with the liqueur um, Shouf coffee. So it's a very rich... 
hazelnutty, uh, sweet banoffee mm, pie. It is sweet, this one. But it, it's it's funny, it always leaves that sort of almost cinnamon wood bark mm. sort of finish, which I think is really, really, really pleasant. It's like pie. <laughs> cinnamon bark pie. Delicious. Cinnamon bark pie. Uh, no, it is. It's it's really jammy and sweet, but again, it still dries out, which means mm. that it doesn't cloy, it doesn't the stick to your palate and bog it down. The big Belgian beers, they do dry. They dry right off, and then you that makes you ready to go back in for your next sip. I mean, that barky something is... It's, it's got to be a spice, hasn't it? Mm. There's something there that's kicking around at the end of the palate, and that's really rather nice. I can't quite identify what it is, though. Can you work it out? No. But anyway, yeah, so, you know, there's obviously... We've we've probably not highlighted a great deal of difference with the Fest beers, uh, the Weidnax Fest beers and the Winter beers from um, from Germany. And we have only really talked about two countries with their beers. But as I say, there's a massive, massive range out there. And, you know, some of my personal favourites have come from... Um, well, various different countries. Some have come from the US, and some have come from uh, Iceland, and you know, some have come from Scandinavia. Um, and you know, I could list them all, but I won't do that. <laughs> but if you ask me what my personal favourites were, I'm always going to end up going back to sort of you know, Belgian ones myself personally because they've very special place in my heart. Yes. Um, and when I moved to Belgium at the time, and I think I moved in the January, and so some of those were still around, and you know, oh, it was lovely and cold, and it snowed a little bit, and oh, you know, going down these little streets, Don't cobbled streets. Don't tease me. So, you know, so like, it, very difficult to not say things like the, you know, I mentioned earlier, the Gordon Christmas, which is mm. uh, just a Scotch ale. Um, it probably isn't my favourite beer in many ways, but I have a nostalgia for it, I love it. But always one of my favourites that I always like to keep a couple of bottles when it was around seasonally um, is the Glas and Torren. Um, they did a beer called uh, Canaster or Canister Winter Scotch, which was delicious and really was a, a tribute to that, that historic early 1900s importing of Scotch ales and then calling them Christmas beers, you know, <laughs> which is a funny one. I just I found that really quirky and interesting and then you know things like the anchor christmas ale from uh, california is a great great beer changed all the time uh dupont's uh brasserie dupont's avec le bon vieux which i think really started out as a thank you very much for the all your hard work sort of situation it was a uh, with good with good wishes avec le bon vieux and that you know they, these are incredibly different beers by style it is all i want to highlight by saying that um so again christmas beers festival beers of the christmas period massively vary and anything from the old ales your stock ales your barley wines your quads you know like we did st bernardus yesterday such a massive variety people think it's gimmick gimmickry but if you choose well you will have a very rewarding fireside delight in your hand <laughs> so we've gone from christmas past christmas present and Christmas future, what are we doing for the rest of the day, Floss? Going on a big, fat walk. Yeah. That's before we've even had our Christmas lunch, so... Uh, mm, yeah, indeed. Yeah. We'll do a big walk, eat a big meal, and then eat cheese. 
eat lots of cheese and, uh, over a, sort of you know in little gradients over a period of time. <laughs> sort of sort of turn into a mouse and just nibble at corners for the rest of the day. Like, I'm not hungry at all, but ooh, just a cheese, I don't have any cheese. room. I couldn't fit another morsel. Go to sleep, hallucinating, sweating. That was a great time. <laughs> Wake up the next day, beautiful. The worst night's sleep I've ever had. Let's let's crack on and do it all again on Boxing Day. <laughs> um, but yes, um, I think that's probably. I think it that is. Really I think that is it. So we're going to enjoy our our big walk and our Christmas day. We're going to relax and we're going to kick back and enjoy ourselves. Hope you guys do exactly the same. Drink a few beers and remember, sometimes beer is a greater accompaniment to f- to food than wine is. I'm not saying it always is. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, by all means, try a couple of uh, Christmas beers with your turkey. Probably be surprised. Pour it all over turkey. <sighs> <laughs> don't do that. No, don't do that. It's heinous crime to both. <laughs> Turkey did not give its life to have just a load of beer over its back. I'm a bit wet now, pal. Uh, But yes, uh, wherever you are, um, whatever your Christmas plans happen to be, we hope you have a wonderful, very, very Merry Christmas. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in hopefully a brighter new year. Well, we might catch you before then. Oh, Depends how uh, busy our schedule looks, but we will see. That <laughs> should consist of walking and grazing on cheese by the sounds of things. But yeah, yeah, I think that we won't be able to fit in these camping chairs, chairs for much longer. Cheers. These camping chairs. <laughs> these camping chairs. <laughs> cheers. Uh, camping chairs for much longer. Because but I already so can't. I've popped out of mine. And I've yes, just you're sitting on a chair. It, it's turned into a wooden chair. It's <laughs> a bit crazy. It's a real chair. But anyway, loads of love to you all at Christmas. Have a great time, look after everybody, and have a very, very merry special time. And as always, get, get out! out. <laughs> <laughs> Too polite! Thank you for listening to Time at the Bar. If you have any beer recommendations, uh, suggestions for episodes, or you just fancy getting in touch, then please email us at tatbpod at gmail.com. If you use social media, then please follow us on Twitter at Time at the Bar Pod or Instagram at Time at the Bar Pod. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>